these individuals mean a lot to me personally, and they mean a lot to our football program. When we talked about winning championships, they're a champion. They've, they've won the biggest championship, and that's a championship of life. Welcome to the Place at the Table podcast. It's Sunday. It's November. You probably know what that means. A coach got fired. This time it's Butch Jones at Tennessee. We're going to bring on the guy who broke that news, my coworker at Sports Illustrated. He also works a little bit for Fox Sports. Bruce Feldman. How you doing, Bruce? I'm doing well, Andy. Good to be on with you. What? Where exactly were you when you got this piece of news? Uh, I think I was somewhere over the Dakotas. Uh, we did the our crew did the Ohio State uh, Michigan State game, and I was flying out of Columbus. Flew had to fly through Minneapolis, and then fortunately the Wi-Fi was working. And somewhere on my flight from Minneapolis to Los Angeles, uh, I started chasing some stuff I heard, and basically sent out like a bunch of texts to different people I knew, just uh, chasing after it. It's, I can't remember having that big of a story, like in terms of just as a, obviously it's a big program and having, I've had little news when you're up in the air, but, um, something like that, just, it's, uh, it's kind of crazy. Cause you're like looking around, you're just, you're, you can't use your phone. You're just very limited. So it's a, it's an interesting way to, uh, to go reporting. It, it is very interesting. And, and, but it's one of those things where people now are more apt to text than to even talk. So, you get a lot of news via text anyway. So it, it's not that shocking that you would get one on the plane. The, the, the problem is following up and, and getting all the other stuff, the reaction. So, uh, you know, I, I started working on the ground on a story about uh, Butch Jones's tenure at Tennessee. And, uh, and I believe you pulled out a, a candidate list and voila, yeah. coverage. There you go. Yeah, so we uh, I feel like we tag team this from different ends of the country, and different different uh, different uh, altitudes, and that was a good thing. So it's weird because you know I spent some time around Knoxville over the years, and remember going there Butch Jones's first spring, and they were awful. You know, Derek Dooley left left no skill talent, and it was just they had to get. Uh, you know, he got them better, but then they could not break through, obviously. And then, you know, I felt like they backslid this year. Yeah, I, I was. It's funny because as I was writing that column, I was going through everything that had happened during his tenure, and it really was over when they lost to Vanderbilt last year. That's when everybody checked out on him. That's when uh, the recruiting stopped being as as sharp, and all of a sudden that upward momentum stopped. And if you, somebody put a chart out of the, the Tennessee wins during the Butch Jones tenure, it actually looks like a mountain. They go up, 
there's a there's a there's a peak and they go back down. Um, but it, it's interesting because I found a quote from him from 2015 where he talks about being the caretaker of Tennessee's program. And it was a very interesting time. So that was the, the day I talked to him was two days after their pro day. And that was the, the, the pro day where they had basically apologized to NFL people for the lack of talent there. That, Sorry, we don't have anybody you want. Sorry, you wasted a trip, basically. And then, but you, you looked out during the spring practice they had the next day and you look at the roster and you're like, whoo. Some of these guys could be really like Derek Barnett was was going into his sophomore mm-hmm. year. Like some of these guys could be really good. This is this is quite a roster they got going here, and it was interesting because he talked about how he knew the expectations were coming, but he really wanted a couple more recruiting classes to to build the depth. And it's just I don't know that he was quite prepared for how ferocious those expectations would be once the fans realized they had enough talent to win. Yeah, I don't. I, I, it's weird looking back. Like I thought, 2016 would be the breakthrough year for them. Should have been. They beat Florida and Georgia. Yeah, but you know, looking back, you know, you had a great leader on defense in Derek Barnett, obviously super productive. But they lost. You know, Cam Sutton was a really good cornerback. He got hurt. Uh, Reeves Maben really. You know, they lost a couple of their linebackers who were. They lost seven players. defensive starters at one point. When when they when they played Alabama, they were down seven defensive starters. So. It was bad luck, but still, all you had to do was hold serve against the worst teams in the SEC East, and they didn't do it. They lost to South Carolina, and then they lost to Vandy. Strange, Andy. You know, like, I was around there, like I said, you know, several times, and got to, you know, got some pretty good access. And the Butch Jones I saw when he was dealing with guys on his team or when he was in team meetings, you know, was different than the one who has said some things that were, felt like they were were uh, tone deaf. Yes, and and I, I wrote about that at SEC Media Days because I I've also gotten some pretty good access at Tennessee. I like Butch Jones. I understand exactly why a lot of really good players wanted to go play for him. You you can see it when he's dealing with his players. You know you can see the passion. You can see how much he cares. The problem was, I think, for him is he never wanted to publicly bash a player, or he never even wanted anybody to think he was bashing his players. And so he would say things like champions of life when asked about them not having any titles for the seniors to leave with. And I think he thought, I'm doing this so I don't bash my players. But in reality, the fans looked at it as, he's okay with this. And the fact was, he was never okay with it. But he didn't convey that very accurately and lost a lot of goodwill in the process yeah my feeling also is he took over a program that as a really and you know this because you covered them back in the day incredibly proud fan base of their tradition very passionate loyal uh and they've been through a lot you know the former ending was messy lane comes in kind of napalms the place you know does some does some things probably that yeah yeah, then leaves. So then they're they're scorned and hurt. And then Dooley comes in there, and he's not he, you know, he should never have gotten that job. And then it gets goes completely downhill and implodes. And then Butch comes in there, and the expectations get high and everything. And um, I just think that you had a fan base that had had to be pretty patient. And after a while, they did not want to be embarrassed 
and they felt like they were being held up to be kind of, you know, the Charlie Brown can't kick the, you know, gets the football keeps pulled out from under them kind of thing. And once it started to go that way, like, it's almost like, you know, that you try, it's almost like he tried too hard on some things and it just was counterproductive. It was like the harder he tried, the more, or he, the, the further under he went on the quicksand side of it. And so I'm surprised because, like, I, I, I think Bush Jones is a good football coach. You know, he was at Cincinnati. I think for whatever circumstance, it did not work out there. And ultimately, I guess it was not a great fit. I'm sure there were some issues, you know, and stuff that he probably would have liked to handle differently and everything. But, um, you know, this year, once you could kind of tell. It went, you know, it went it quick not, and it went bad. Yeah, and it, and it kept on going downhill, and, um, you know, it's just, it's kind of, I don't know, it's, to me, it's, 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 it's a big job, but now the fact that Florida's out there, and, you know, we talked about this, you could have five or six changes in the SEC, I mean, it's going to be a really wild offseason, I think. It, it sure is, and, and here's the thing, Florida's open, Nebraska's open possible that Texas A&M opens. These are all jobs on the level of Tennessee or or better. And that shrinks your pool. So I, I don't know what Tennessee does here in, in short of the, the groomers being true. And I, I keep getting phone calls and, and texts and emails about the groomers. People, people really believe that John Gruden's coming. Oh, it's wishful thinking. I mean, it, it's just that. I mean, look, I remember going through this a little bit. It was, it was definitely Christmas time because I remember going out to to uh, Costco to get a tree, and this is I was I think I was still at ESPN.com, and somebody had mocked up like a uh, something from from my my blog to to indicate that I was reporting that John Gruden was going to be the new coach at Miami. And that wasn't the case, but they were in such a frenzy over that stuff that, you know, that's the road that everyone was going down. And, and look, and Tennessee has even more connections because he GA'd there. His wife was a cheerleader there, you know, so I, I don't know. I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. Exactly. He's, and here's he's the like, thing. If they're hiring John Gruden, they'll do it today. They don't have to wait. No, they don't have to wait. So they don't have to wait. I, I just, it, I'm, I just laugh because the last time he coached, one, it was pro and not college. And the game in college looks nothing like the game he left in the NFL in 2008. Completely different game. And then you throw in the fact that what is what does a college football head coach do most of the time? This is that fans don't realize. He talks to 16 and 17-year-olds. You think John Gruden is going to take less money or the same money? To talk to 17-year-olds for 12 hours a day? Here's where I think Andy could be – it would be interesting, though. Okay. I think – and it's always hard to project, but – because this isn't Jim Harbaugh coming back from the NFL where we knew he was a good college coach because of what he did at Stanford. Right. I think right. with with John Gruden's charisma, personality, uh, and his, his recognition in terms of he's been on TV – He's very dynamic. If he worked at it, he'd be a very good recruiter. Yeah, I yeah. think he would too. Yeah, that, that I, I'm not worried about his ability as a recruiter because I, I I think you're right. His his enthusiasm shows, you know, within a second of of talking to him. 
I just don't know that the job is what he would actually want unless he's just really, really hard up to get back into coaching. Yeah, I don't know. Like I like I was saying, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it happening. Like right now, I think it's a lot of wishful thinking. I heard he was on – I was just told that he was on one of Jim Haslam's planes right now, that he is in the oh, air just circling. I have a good – I hope they I have a good gas. Friend. I have, a, I have a good friend who is a diehard, went to Tennessee. She is a passionate Tennessee fan and all over all the message boards. And she's convinced it's happening. Yeah. Convinced. Yeah, and I'm so. going to feel really stupid when it does happen. Because I've just constantly said, nope, no, no, no. There's no way this happens. It is not logical. It'll never happen. Stop it, stop it, stop it. Well, here's Stranger here's things the, have the, happened, I suppose. Yeah, here's the problem with it, if it doesn't happen. Then you, let's say, you announce Mike that you're hiring. What's that? Mike Norvell. Mike Norvell. You announce you're hiring Greg Schiano. You're hiring somebody who's a little more, heck, maybe you announce you're hiring uh, Kyle Whittingham. That'd be a good hire. I think I think those some of those hires would be good hires. Look, if they ended up if Florida doesn't hire ten doesn't hire Dan Mullen and Tennessee does, that's a fantastic hire. I think that you know if I'm a Vols fan, I'm like, hmm, let's sign me up. I want to see how this is going to go. I, I I think I would be encouraged by that. But you're right. If you if you set up for this guy and and you get not this guy, it, it it's a bad start. But I, here's my thing: you don't have to win the press conference. You have to win games. So wh- however the, the fan base feels about the hire initially is not really relevant. If you win games, they will love you. If you don't win games, they will not love you. So I, that's that's it. <laughs> I know this is your podcast. I'm going to ask you a question. So what what win the most win the press conference guy did you like, oh, I think this is going to go great, and then it didn't? Charlie Strong. Retro- at Texas. Yeah. I, I was convinced that Charlie Strong was going to build a monster at Texas. I just I know how the guy recruits. I, I know the type of players he looks for. And I thought, put that in the Big 12 and it would dominate. And they could not do anything. Yeah. That that was that was shocking to me. What was yeah, yours? Yeah, look, sometimes uh you know, I can't like I thought Butch would have done better. I can't say that I thought from the get go that Butch was going to knock it out of the park, but I thought he would have done better. That wasn't the one I was thinking of. Um, you know, I have to think about it for a second of somebody. I'm sure there's guys I've completely whiffed. I thought Muschamp would do well at Florida too. That That's another one. I thought he was the right fit. And it's funny because since Florida opened, I've done some blind resume type stuff just for my own purpose is trying to figure out, you know, who the candidate list should be when I talk about this stuff. If you do a blind resume, Will Muschamp is actually the perfect candidate for the Florida job. Now or back now, then? But they'd never hire him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, you start going through, like, where, like, I don't know if, if Jeff Brom is a win the press conference guy. And he hasn't had, you know, they had a fast start right. at Purdue, and now they're, you know, they're struggling when they're being Purdue. You know, he wouldn't cost a fortune, and I think he'd be a pretty good hire. But you know, again, I don't know. They they're not looking for pretty good. They're looking for, for great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a, that's the other thing. You know, I 
when Florida opened, I said they need to look at Willie Taggart because he can recruit the state really well. He's yeah. rebuilt two programs. One of the reasons Jeff Brom did so well at Western Kentucky is because Willie Taggart made it a better job. And then Bobby Petrino came back for a minute and you know kept it going. But that's not sexy. Florida would have a hard time selling that. There are guys that Tennessee could go after. See, there, there are people who don't think Dan Mullen's a sexy hire. I think Dan Mullen, personality-wise, would be perfect for that Knoxville area because I don't think people who haven't lived there understand how intense the pressure is there and the media scrutiny is there. Every word you say as the Tennessee head coach is parsed. And it's not the same at Florida. Uh, it's not the same at well, it probably is the same at Nebraska. It's probably the same at Texas. It's probably the same at Ohio State. But the really big ones. The thing is, all the other ones I would list that are like that are national title contenders and, and have incredible resources, great recruiting grounds, pretty much everything they need. Tennessee has good resources, has great facilities. Their recruiting base is not great because the state is one. It's, it's, an odd, it's a parallelogram, and they're on one end of it. And so they're not – it's not as easy to just collect in-state talent, and there's not always a lot of in-state talent. Now, you're three hours from Atlanta, but state lines matter in recruiting. So that's where, where Tennessee becomes a little bit tougher. You know what else help, what hurt what else has hurt Tennessee to some degree? Hmm. Uh, the, I think the state you were born in, which for a while had been kind of – South Kakalaki, that's correct. Spurrier goes in there, he gets that place revived, and that Dabo Sweeney is a recruiting machine, yep. and they won a national title. So it's a little different than when Fulmer was rolling. This is what there. I always tell so, people. Al Albert Hainsworth today, who's from South Carolina, would have played for Clemson. Yeah, he'd have a Tiger Paw on his helmet. Yeah, there, there's right? no question about it. And back when Fulmer was going, they could go to other parts of the South, non-Georgia, non-Florida, non-Alabama, and say, you want to play on TV? Come to Tennessee. We're on TV almost every week. Clemson's not on TV every week. South Carolina's not on TV every week. You can't say that anymore. Everybody's on TV. I think I think that is one of the things that that made it harder for Tennessee re to recruit. But I, I still think, I mean, if you go back to the former era, they recruited nationwide. You know, uh, yes, John Henderson came from Nashville, and there were occasionally really good players from the state of Tennessee, but they had to go to Louisiana to get Raynock Thompson. Uh, they had to go to California to get Casey Clawson. They were all over the place. You know, Kevin Simon, I remember them recruiting him out of, uh, yes, out of Dale South. South. He's a Dale South. Yeah. Guy. Yeah. So you have to do that at Tennessee. You have to be a bit of a salesman. And that's why I think Mullen would be the right kind of guy for that because he can handle the scrutiny the parsing of every word. He's not going to say championship of life. He's going to he's going to give them something they can use. It may not be what exactly what they want. It may not be exactly what he wants, but he'll give them something they can use. And then in terms of being able to get out and sell the program, he'll be able to do that. He can talk to anybody. So I think that's that's the kind of guy you're looking for. I mean, not necessarily. That guy exactly, although I think he'd be really good there, but you want someone who's comfortable in that spotlight. You have to be comfortable in the spotlight to be Tennessee's coach, and I don't know which Jones really was. 
Let me throw you an off-the-board name and just see what you think about it. It's somebody you know pretty well. He's a really good offensive coach. He has coached in the SEC, albeit a long time. I know exactly who you're talking about. Is there any chance that Tennessee would, would hire Mike? I, I would like to think so because I think he would do really well there. I know he would probably like Tennessee or Florida. I think I think he'd really enjoy those jobs. Because think about it, you know, Texas Tech and Washington State are hard places to recruit to. Tennessee, and we talk about it being a challenge, we're talking about it being a challenge to recruit there relative to Georgia and to Alabama. Right. It's much easier to recruit there than it is to Washington State or to, to Texas Tech. So, yeah, but the, the question is, can he bring Alex Grinch with him, or does Alex Grinch get the Washington State job? Alex Grinch is his defensive coordinator. Yeah, my guess is is Grinch probably would get the Washington State job, but you know he's going to have a lot more money, and I think people, you right. know, he's not, you know, we'll see what he could get. I mean, that why that way. He, but. he and Don Brown share an agent. If if Don Brown wanted to leave Michigan, I don't know if that would happen, but you know that's that's one of those things. If you can. For Leach to have a chance at a job like that, I think he would have to bring some assurances of who the D.C. would be. And it'd have to be somebody very exciting. Grinch, the guy he's got now, is great. But like like you mentioned, he is poised to potentially become the third member of that particular Mount Union team to be a head coach with uh, Jason Campbell and Jason Candle. Yeah. I mean, Matt, Matt Campbell. Campbell and Jason Candle. I, I, can't, I can never say the two names the together hand. and get it right. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think they're going to have some interesting choices, you know, and, uh, I don't know if they would, if they would go the leech route. I mean, to me, this kind of references what you spoke, spoke to a couple of minutes ago, which I think it's the most sec fishbowl head coaching job there is. I would agree with that. And, you know, Mike Leach, you don't have to worry about him carousing. It's not to say he won't drink, you know, have a drink, but but putting him on the big stage in front of the podium, he won't give you champions of life, but he'll give you some stuff now. Well, that's the thing. And, and my, you know, I've always said the reason Mike Leach does that is so he doesn't have to talk about his team. You notice he never gives away anything schematic personnel wise. Nothing, nothing personnel wise. He just nothing. tries to be entertaining. So you will go away and not ask him anything about his team. And it works. He's, he's got that part figured out. So the, the question I have is, are there any guys that maybe we're not thinking about who would be comfortable, who we would think would be comfortable in the jobs they already have? You know, that Tennessee reached out to Mike Gundy last time. And mm-hmm. Gundy said no, when, which was the right call, uh, because given that roster, it was, it was hard to see them having success. This roster is a little bit different. I think Tennessee is actually probably a quicker turnaround than Florida. I think Florida ceiling may be a little higher ultimately. But Tennessee's a very quick turnaround given that roster. So is there somebody out there that they might be able to entice because it looks like a place where you can come in and win pretty quickly? I don't know. I mean – would this be a job Gary Patterson would leave no, for? I, I don't think he's leaving. I think, you know, maybe if Texas had offered him a while ago, maybe. But I, I think he, I think he's probably figured out that he's in the best place for him right now. I don't know. I just don't know if he would hate you know, Knoxville. Not not the city. Knoxville, the city is lovely, and I lived there for two years, and 
uh, might never have moved had not had my wife not gotten into grad school somewhere else. But uh, the the environment in Knoxville, because he doesn't like getting asked a lot of questions, and you get asked a lot of questions in Knoxville. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I think um, I just want to see how how it, the search unfolds in relationship to the one in Gainesville. Yes, I I, I think that's interesting because it would seem just because of the easier access to recruits that Florida would be the more coveted job and the more recent national titles also. We just have a, so just a much better recruiting base. I mean, I think the facilities-wise, Tennessee has better. the edge. Yeah. But recruiting base-wise, Florida's considerably better. Correct. So, And then A&M, same deal. A&M has all the facilities that you would want, the recruiting base that you would want, but they're – the, the knock there is the wacko out of control expectations for a program that's never really had that kind of success before. Florida and Tennessee have had that success and in, in everybody's lifetime. So it's a little easier to, to see taking one of those jobs and getting where they want you to go. Right. Right. No question. So it, it's pretty interesting, but let's, uh, let's put a pin in this one for a little while. And, and unless, you know, John Gruden gets hired while we're still talking. I think my soft skin secret. I think it's Hans Tavalos. Oh. What you listen to there, Bruce? Sorry, yeah, <laughs> it's all right. Um, was it towelettes? Pons towelettes. That is your. That is actually your and my website. Oh, that... autoplay! Uh, my favorite. Uh, the readers love that. It's it just endears us to them so much. Yeah. <laughs> Pons towelettes, and and here's the deal. Whatever you've been surfing for is what your browser looks at that and then it serves you up the ad that it thinks you you need. So apparently, it thinks you need some wet wipes. (laughs) Need some wet wipes. (laughs) Which you have two little kids, so that is absolutely possible. I think it. I think it's got you spot on. We've 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 targeted you correctly, Bruce Feldman. So how come, Andy? How come? What does this tell me? If like I always end up with these like little also see stories at the bottom of things, where it's telling me to look for some look at some celebrity who now looks awful, and you I wouldn't believe it twenty years. Oh, that just years. means you'll click on it because I click on those every single time. <laughs> but am I am I doing something to trigger those searches or is that just no uh, no that those are just everybody know everybody's a safe bet to click on one of those every once in a while. So they just, they just throw those at everybody. Cause you wouldn't believe what Jesse Spano looks like now. No, I mean, I, I, I would because I can do a Google image search, but you know, I haven't thought to do a Google image search for, for Jesse Spano uh, or Elizabeth Berkeley. I, uh, it's not something I think about every day. So when it appears at the bottom of my story, I'm like, Ooh, I am curious what, you know, <laughs> what Jesse Spano and AC Slater look like now. So that's why. But all right, before I let you go, we got to talk about what what the hell happened this weekend, non-coaching division. Uh, You were at a game that Vegas nailed, but I got to admit, I didn't see that coming. Ohio State just obliterating Michigan State. I didn't see it coming either, and we had Michigan State a couple of times before this, including against Penn State. Brian Lewerke had played terrific. Now it's a really young team. You know, they start one senior on 
on defense on offense and two on on defense I think they had like 13 freshmen or sophomore starters they looked it I mean basically Ohio State jumped on them early and then they kind of went in the tank and when Ohio State is focused and locked in they can beat anybody they weren't against Iowa clearly and I don't know if I I mean Baker Mayfield gave them problems obviously but when they look like they did this weekend I mean, it, it's there's a wow factor in that there. Now the question is going to be, if they do something similar to to Michigan and then to to Wisconsin, you know, I think they got a the weekend started great for them when Stanford knocked Washington and I think the Pac-12 yeah I think it knocked the Pac-12 out, out. yeah and then Miami helped them out to get Notre Dame bumped into the margin again. I think things set up pretty well for Ohio State, as crazy as it sounds like a week ago, because where Ohio State has two blowout losses, including one to an unranked team in November. And I think that they're in pretty good position. Let me let me throw something at you, because when I did my radio show on Sunday morning, this is this is what I kept getting asked. All right. Let's say Auburn beats Alabama in the Iron Bowl and goes on and wins the SEC championship. I think we can wow. pretty much agree that would be the first two-loss team to ever make the playoff. Yeah. Okay, so they're in. The winner of the ACC championship game is in. Assuming yeah. Clemson and, and Miami don't lose a weird one along Assuming the way. Clemson doesn't lose to South Carolina. Right, which uh, if Jake Bentley throws the ball to the other team as much as he did against Florida, that won't be a problem for Clemson. Uh, that leaves the Big 12. Let's say Oklahoma keeps winning. Oklahoma looks really good. Let's say they keep winning. So you've got the SEC champ, the ACC champ, and Oklahoma, the Big 12 champ, in there. There's one other spot. Ohio State wins the Big 10 with two losses. Alabama, having lost the Iron Bowl by, let's say, a field goal, is sitting there at 11-1. and Who you got? Ooh, that's a tough scenario. Yeah, I had a problem with this one, too, because I talked myself into both of them, and unfortunately, you only get to pick one. I don't, you know, it's funny. I watched a lot of the Mississippi State-Alabama games Saturday night, and I watched a lot of the LSU-Alabama game uh, last week. I think they're pretty vulnerable, to be honest. They are They are as vulnerable as they've been in years, and I got to tell you, I was at Auburn-Georgia. If Auburn plays the way they did against Georgia, they will beat Alabama because Alabama is is thin at linebacker. Uh, they can be pushed a little bit. You saw it early in the in the Mississippi State game. Now that doesn't mean Auburn's going to play as well as they did against Georgia because I I do think that the difference is even if Auburn is scoring against Alabama, Alabama's offense will have much more success against Auburn's defense than Georgia's offense did because of Jalen Hurts' ability to run the ball because when when Auburn broke through and rushed Jake Fromm, Jake could either throw it or take a sack. The difference with Hertz is he may disappear and be gone 20 yards down the field before you get him. And I think that is, is a bit of an equalizer there. But I, I definitely don't assume Alabama is going to win the Iron Bowl at this point. No, I'm with you. I think I think that's what's going to make this next month so much fun because of you're going to have some really interesting choices pop up. Now, I don't think we're going to get the scenario you just said, but if we do, 
Um, I th- I'd be surprised if Alabama gets left out. Yeah, I think we're going to have a little more weirdness. Like something strange like Michigan beating Ohio State or Oklahoma taking another loss but then winning the Big 12 or, or South Carolina beating Clemson, like you said, or maybe, uh, you know, maybe Miami's asleep when they play Virginia at noon next Saturday and all of a sudden, you know, Virginia just shocks them. I doubt that'll happen, but it's always this week that's coming up, the one that has the dog games in the SEC because, you know, Alabama and Auburn are, are playing FCS teams to get ready for each other and, you know, Florida's playing a, a group of five team and uh, Florida State's usually playing somebody. That's not an SEC game, but, you know, at, at the rivalry games, people tend to play the the easier teams. And so the slate looks bad, and there's always something strange. This was the week last year where Iowa beat Michigan, wasn't it? Yeah, um, I'm trying to remember. I I think so, because that was the Clemson-Pitt weekend. Yes, yep. Like, I remember where I was. I know we were in Austin. We were no, no, that was a week earlier. That's right. Clemson, because Clemson didn't play Pitt the week before they played South Carolina. So... You sure? I thought Clemson Pitt was the same weekend as Iowa. It was, but I'm, I'm thinking of the wrong weekend. It was the oh, I see. Yeah, it was yeah. the previous weekend. But yeah, I mean that that's the thing. Every time we think a weekend's going to be a dog, it's where we get an upset because the higher ranked teams are playing lesser lights. We expect higher ranked teams to lose when they play other ranked teams sometimes, but not in these other games. So that's where the weirdness comes in, and I do think there will be some weirdness. Hope so. <laughs> I, I I think it I think it's bound to happen, and it's funny because we've spun all these little scenarios, and you know I spent a month spinning this all these Notre Dame into the playoff scenarios, and they're done. I mean they they just they were done into the first quarter last night. It was over. Yeah, the city of Miami is a chamber of horrors for that program. I, I was wondering if, if there was some sort of special dispensation where Miami would be allowed to to bring Eddie Lacy into the game just to give Notre Dame the full Miami Gardens experience, the full Joe Robbie Stadium experience. Yes, that's what I'm calling it because that's what it that's what it was when it was born. <laughs> yeah, they didn't need it. <laughs> yeah, it was it was something. So if you had to do it now, how do you rank? Who would your four be? My four would be Alabama, Miami, Oklahoma, Clemson. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, I'm close with uh, close on Wisconsin, but I need to see more than you know. You beat an unranked team. I am curious how different Michigan's offense really is with Brandon Peters at the helm, because they haven't played any really good teams since he took over. They will play a very good defense in Wisconsin next week, so. I think we'll we'll get a little answer for that one, and we'll also get an answer of can Michigan maybe compete with Ohio State because if they can if they can beat Wisconsin, they can beat Ohio State. That's true. That is true. We got it's going to be fun down the stretch. I'm excited for this. All right, and you need to get your rest because this coaching carousel is going to get wild here at the end of next week. So, uh, what do you think is the next one to pop? Do you think anybody else will go before the end of the regular season? Uh, you know, if it is, it'd be something like, I, my guess would be like Charlotte or something like that. I don't think that, um, you know, I don't think Texas A&M would do it right then and there. And if Nebraska didn't fire Mike Riley before leaving Minneapolis yesterday, 
they're probably going to wait till the end of the season. Yeah, I don't know if Mike Riley's the one you want to, you know, treat like that. Same as, uh, you know, like Rice. I mean, they really, really like David Bailiff. Everybody loves David Bailiff. Yeah, what's not to like? So, (laughs) but I think at some point I would expect to see a change there, and but I don't think it's going to happen like in the next week. All right. Well, get some rest. Big news is probably coming the next time you get up in the air. So glad we have the technology for you to break it for us at Sports Illustrated. All right, Andy. Always a pleasure being on with you. All right. Thanks, Bruce. All right. See you. Wish that I was on a rocket top down in the Tennessee hills. Ain't no smoggy smoke on rocket top. Ain't no telephone bills. Once I had a girl on rocket top, half bear the other half cat. Rocky Top Tennessee, Rocky Top Tennessee.